Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. I'm here with Bruce McCurdy on a night of absolute jubilation for Oilers fans. Bruce, that was even before. I was going to say it was a great game, even if the Oilers failed to tie it. I was making up my mind I was going to say that because it was a fantastic effort by the Oilers. Uh, So not only did they come back from a 3-1 deficit and tie the Washington Capitals to got a Bettman point out of that game, but the dynamic duo uh, scored in overtime to win the game. And it was, it was, it was a kind of a transcendental performance by Connor McDavid tonight. Like one of those, you know, I I had starting, I was starting to get a little worried Bruce about his, Mm -hmm. uh, his, you know, he's coming back from major, it was surgery. He's coming back from major knee surgery. It was surgery? It was surgery. We know this now? We know it. It's been oh, a couple God. different media people said this in in their reports. Specter and then someone else. And, and um, No Specter. And he just seemed to have have lost steam in the last little while. And even in this game, it took a while to get going. But man, when he got going, he was absolutely astonishing. And... Um, what a game. So, Bruce, this is our Two Good Things, Two Bad Things, and Two Numbers podcast. What is your good thing? Well, that's kind of it. was uh, <laughs> Connor McDavid in the third period and overtime, and specifically that portion of the game, because I saw the same thing you did. I saw me as a frustrated fan watching a frustrated player who was having all kinds of trouble getting going. They put up a graphic after the second period showing Ovechkin had seven shots and McDavid had zero. And I'm going, well, no wonder it's a three-to-one for them uh, kind of game because our, our big guys can't really seem to get it going. I mean, they finally got off the schneid with a, with a, a goal in the first period, but it was a bit of a fluke, right? Uh, nurses passed and it hit a Washington defender and found a hole. And then they couldn't beat Braden Holtby. He was fantastic, Bruce. Like Ooh, that save on great saves. huge. Yeah. Oh. And then the there was another Cass- uh, one off of Cassian on the three on seemed like oh, a three yeah. on O. Oh, and somehow he got over and stopped that one. Like Zach didn't miss. Anyway, yeah. in the third period, Connor came out like a man possessed. It's, you know, I mean, the guy we know and love that we've known and love for a while now. Uh, but we haven't seen much of that guy for this last week or so, and there's been speculation. My wife said tonight, she's a she's a keen observer of healthy things, and she said his eyes look a little bit under the weather. So I'm going, well, it's, you know, not looking good. And then all of a sudden, in the third period, he turned it on, and holy moly, he could have tied that game up two or three or four times. And then finally, we'll squeaked one through with, uh, with goalie on the bench. And all of a sudden, the game that looks lost... Uh, winds up being uh, two points under the NHL's uh, wonderful point system. Eight wins, Bruce, and three losses. Eight wins and three losses. Eight, two, and one. Eight, two, and one. Here's your man. No, this would be a 1980s sports reference. The stretch drive in 1980 after the Ron Lowe trade. The orders went eight, two, and one down the stretch to squeak into 16th place and make the playoffs. And eight, two, was, and one. eight, two, and one's a nice run for any team at any time. I remember that so well, and it was such a sweet moment for Oilers fans. It really was. It was. And, you know, we're so we're a jittery lot, aren't we? Like, we really are. We're wondering, is this team for real? Are they about to collapse? Or what's going to happen? And we're looking for signs, and we're looking for indicators. And, 
you know, the Oilers uh, outshot the Capitals that game, Bruce, significantly. Mm-hmm. And they also outchanced them 18-9 to 9 on grade-A chances, according to wow. my count, which you will review. Yeah, so, I will. Uh, and so what, Connor what was the count in the third period? It was 8-2 to two for the yeah. Oilers. The yeah, Capitals really had a couple chances early in the did. third. Koskinen wasn't bad that game. But, um, you know, he did – the first goal was kind of like in his – you know, it was brought bad, bad memories uh, back, bad memories for Oilers fans, beaten – kind of high glove hand handcuffed in that that shot but he was he was not bad so mcdavid now has 20 points in 11 games so that's not bad at all all right uh my good thing bruce uh, i just want to ask you do you have the the time on ice in front of you i do what and a it's, nurse it's what a staggering nurse it's staggering the differential so what did uh, nurse have nurse tonight had 25 33 what did cleft bomb have uh 26 10 and what did uh, Ethan Bear have? Twenty six forty eight, number one uh, among defensemen. Okay, he was my good thing, Bruce. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he he's he's pushing that damn river up a mountain every single night. He he is right now the Oilers' best defenseman. Right now, oh. he is their best defenseman. He's when he bursts when he has the puck on his stick, yeah, he is more likely good. to make a good play. And this isn't even close. I don't think. I don't think we. Uh-huh. Anyone's going to disagree. It's not even close. When he has the puck on his stick, he's more likely to make a good play than any other Oilers defenseman, and it's not even close. And when he's defending, he's as good as as any of the rest of them. So that to me, and he's playing. You know, um, our, our friend uh, at Joseph. I think Joseph eighty. Mm-hmm. I think is. He was he was saying the Oilers are like using three number one defensemen, kind of hiding the other guys. Yeah. Um, what did Russell and uh, Manning and Benning play? Sixteen thirty-three for Russell, thirteen forty-one for Benning, who took a couple of Russell's shifts in the third. I noticed, and nine thirty-five for uh, Manning. So it's a real three and three split. So they're using Bear and Russell to, or yeah, sorry, Bear and Nurse together a whole lot, in you know, um, even strength and shorthanded. And they're using Clefbaum a little less at even strength, but they're they're really putting them out on both special teams. Clef is killing penalties and power playing. Mm-hmm. Every game he's playing five, six, seven minutes of uh, special teams time. So that's pushing his time north. But yeah. the number number one pairing seems to be Nurse and Bear. Oh, yeah, has been for some time and uh, will be. Like, I, I'm looking forward to Parson getting back in the lineup and, like Manning hustles, but he, he and but he is a limited hockey player, and they could use. Oh, he's limited. Russell should be like Russell and Benning. That's not a bad third pairing, and then you know it's it, the question will be then comparison handle it on a second pairing with Clefbaum uh, until Larson comes back. Of course, by then someone else will be injured, so that's I, I'm hoping it's not Ethan Bear, Darnell Nurse, or Oscar Clefbaum or any of them. But anyway, yeah, they're really riding, always get hurt. They're yeah. really riding the big three. And they're riding the big three up front, too, of course. But uh, the ice time up front is pretty crazy, too. Yeah. Okay, what is your bad thing? Oh, oh it has to be that 3-1 goal for Washington on the Oilers' penalty kill. Uh, where, I mean, I put up a tweet, you might have seen it, uh, showing Alexander Ovechkin, you know, like who's he, the guy that has 666 career goals at that moment in time, the number of the beast. And he's standing 
in his usual spot, top of the left face-off circle. He's got one, one skate inside the circle and one skate outside the circle. And the camera's a long way back. And all you can see around him is open ice. Like, he's, um, I don't know, out, out on the, you know, going skidooing on the Northwest Territories. Like, nobody around him. You can't even see the top of a helmet in the foreground. It's like Ovi with, like, I'd say literally 50 feet of ice. And the four Oilers are all over beyond, two or beyond the face-off dot on the other side. And then Chris Russell, who presumably is still playing right defense, he decides to go charge all the way into the left corner. And the guy's got the puck, and he once he makes the pass past Russell, the Oilers are dead right then and there. And there's yeah. one more kind of tap across, and then it goes over to Ovi, and he literally has about two seconds to gather in the puck, pick his spot, and, of course, hit it. And, I mean, that's one where, uh, uh, you know, the, the poor goalie, you know, what chance does he have? But the, the structure of that penalty kill, I, I just don't know what happened. And yeah, in Russell. particular, that looked like a major blunder by Chris Russell. Yeah, he just got overexcited. He thought he had a chance to get it out. And, you know, he had been really good on the PK until then. He had mm-hmm. he, he he knew that their favorite, or clearly it looks like, I don't know what their favorite plays are. I don't watch that team. But they must do a lot Pass of that passing, <laughs> passing from down low to out high through the slot because yeah. Russell was going down constantly. And he blocked about two or three passes, I think or changed about two or three passes to Ovechkin, and he was not was not able to get off that deadly shot. But, yeah, Clefbaum and Archibald, I also had tagged as losing battles on that one. Certainly it was, Archibald, it was a team. he, was, he yeah. was the other right side guy that was way Clef, out of position. And... Clefbaum might have just been confused what, <laughs> what's Russell doing over yeah, here. I thought but I he was playing left the, defense. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he didn't stop the pass either. He was right there too, like the pass from the corner too. The, yeah. the player that Russell was or Archibald yeah. was covering, and then it was over. Anyway, that was that was indeed a bad thing. Bruce, my bad thing. Okay, I think I've seen enough of the grind line. Um, you know, I've been kind of. There was a moment where it was kind of working when they had Patrick Russell on that line, but it ain't working. Bruce Riley Shee and Jujar Kara together don't work as a forward pairing and you put in Josh, Josh Archibald and it's just it, it's it's even worse. They they just have nothing going on on the attack. Bruce Sam Gagne on his first shift <laughs> two got two grade A chances. That's as many grade A chances as all those three other guys have in 11 games. Wow. Sheehan has one, Kara has one, Archibald has zero. That is they they're not even they're they're not close to scoring. They're not. They're. They're not going to be close to scoring. This isn't working. They've got to change it up, and the sooner the better. And I think I personally think Kara and Archibald should be sitting at this point. I know that they're both penalty killers. I like Kara's work on the penalty kill more than Archibald's. Um, but uh, he's been all right on the penalty I, kill. I, I, so I would keep Sheehan in the in the team. Uh, he's a really good penalty. He's a faceoff guy. He's been the most effective of those. Uh, that three players, but man, that line is just, I know that they're out there against tough competition often, and they have defensive zone faceoffs. They have a hard time of it, but in 11 games, uh, I don't know if that's 11 games each, but 11 games, they have two grade A scoring chances between the group of them. That is just not even, they should have at least like 10, 
ten of ten, like maybe one, one a game for the line. Yeah, I think yeah that's for the line, and then they'd have like then they'd maybe have three or four goals between them at this point. That might be reasonable. It's not working out though. Yeah, well, I have visions of Archibald missing the net with his one glorious chance that he had in Chicago and hitting the glass. Um, so he kind of had the chance, but because it wasn't on net, we we don't consider those. Such a but, letdown for the team when you yeah, miss. Yeah, yeah, well, that's what you say. The coaches say that it, it just doesn't feel like a lift for the team at all when the chance gets blown. Anyways, um, yeah, that, they're, they're struggling. You know, they didn't play much. In fact, the Oilers bought them six tonight. I mean, looking at even strength ice time, eight minutes for Archibald, eight for Kara, six for Shane. And I, I wonder if he got they banged got up. I never heard him, saw him in the third period, and I saw Gagne on both bottom six lines for rare shifts. 5.52 for Russell, 7.04 for Granlin. I mean, we've got a bunch of guys that are, you know, like way, way down. And the top two lines are totally carrying the mail. 27, 20. 27-20 for McDavid tonight, 26-49 for Dreisaitl. So James Neal. James Neal was good tonight. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't mind Granlin. I don't mind Granlin, Gagne, and Patrick Russell as a line or as players. I mean, they have been getting some great A-scoring chance shots, um, that, that group of players. I think Granlin has four. Uh, Gagne has a two from that game. And Russell's, I think, got six or seven. Yeah. He's, so, so he's no, right. they're, they're kind of – carrying their weight you know they're not scoring yet but they will score because they're getting chances some of those will go in you know we know one in four grade a shots according to what we've seen over the years they go in the net so um they're doing it but the other that other group of players not so much and they've got other guys and i mean they they have gagne they can they have gaytan haas who i who i thought was fine they have joe gambardella who was the the best forward for um bakersfield in the playoffs so Patrick Russell was really good, but Gambardella was every bit as good. So, mm-hmm. okay, number. What is your number? Okay, I got I got Zach Cassian tonight, and I was going to I am going to focus on his ice time, but I got to look at his entire stat line. It's really something else. Uh, two assists, two points plus two, uh, a penalty, which was a um, it was a weird one where he and Tom Wilson. Wilson went to the box where Wilson punched Cassian about six times, and somehow it was an even um, altercation. But to Zach's credit, he didn't go nuts on that play, which two, three years ago, you know, he might have got a misconduct or, you know, done taken one last punch and somehow gotten the extra two or something. And he just took it and he grinned and he went off, and I don't think he was happy with the call, but he didn't have any reason to be happy with that call. Anyway, 22 minutes he played all at even strength, every second of it at even strength. Uh, pretty sure that's a career high for him. He just started hitting 20 minutes first times in his career in, the, in last year. 22 minutes, and he had uh, he had three shots on goal. He got absolutely hosed by Braden Holtby on the best of them. Uh, five shot attempts, three hits, four takeaways, and he was in good spots. And he was part of the reason the front first line uh, had it going on. Now, he did make some bad passes, but he also made some very good passes, including the one that sprung McDavid and Drysaddle on the two-on-one early in the third. That led to the 3-2 goal and got Edmonton back in the game. 
And so I am going to single out Zach Cassian's numbers. Also, while he was on the ice, those 22 minutes, the Oilers had 20 shots on goal. So, mind yeah. you, I mean, obviously he wasn't the one driving play, but uh, he uh, he had his role to play and he played it. He, he did his bit on that line. He keeps the puck alive. He moves the puck well to uh, McDavid and uh, Dreisaitl. And I, I was impressed at one point he even, he had a chance to pass it off, but he decided, no, I'm going to take it to the net myself this time. And he came close to having a chance. And I think you need to do that, right, every now and then mm-hmm. to keep Absolutely. the other team honest. If you don't do that, then they're not going to play you. Right. Um, so he did it. He he was in on uh, five major contributions to five grade A chances and not a major mistake on a grade A chance against. So... Hell of a game like for that. Zach Cassian. I wonder, wonder what what would you give him? Oh, he's pushing an eight, I think. Oh, with all, get it. all of that stuff eight. for me, yeah. yeah and, and I'm pretty. I throw around the eights like uh, manhole covers, as the old joke goes. But uh, uh, he uh, he did a lot right in this game. I just use the vernacular. Like, he, did he? Like, yeah. you know, if we were if we were in a bar afterwards and see, it, it was did he? Great yeah, he had a great game. Great game. It's as simple as that. I'm not looking for anything more than that. So I I tend to be more liberal, I think, than than. Uh, yeah. Well, I just don't like saying "great game" because it's an overused expression. But I would I would <laughs> I would use it for for Zach Cassian in that game. Fair enough, Bruce. What would you give McDavid? A nine or a ten? Probably oh. a nine. But it's not close a, to a ten. Not a ten. Not a ten. But uh, in the third period he, and overtime, he was an eleven. Like he just completely yeah. took over the game. It was incredible to watch. Yeah, I'd give him a nine, uh, and I'm sure Kurt will give him a nine. But he might even give him a ten. All right, um, Kurt Levens is um, going to be grading the game tonight, correct? Yes. Okay. I'm glad we have that straightened out. <laughs> um. So uh, my number is 10, and it is related to Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid was in on 10 grade A scoring chances, Bruce. 10 grade A scoring chances, which is an astonishing total. Like, you know, if he gets if he gets th- in on three in a game, he's had a good, really good game. 10, that's, that's a special game. And six of them came in the third period in overtime combined. Just the one chance in overtime, of course. And uh, three of them, he he worked his way into. Uh, he had breakaway shots. Like he worked his way in where he was he was in one on one on the goalie, and and they oh. came out of nowhere, Bruce. Every all yeah. three of those came out of nowhere. Yeah, well, the one he dinged off the crossbar, and then there was another one where he brought it in, and Holpe made a fantastic left pad save, where I thought McDavid had beaten him back to the short side and, and Holtby dragged his pad and got a piece of that. Both of those were like, he was in the slot with the guy in front of him and he dipped his shoulder and the next thing you know, he was around the guy and in front of the goalie with the puck trying to shoot shoot from like five feet out. How, how? Like against NHL defenseman. What do you think that Caps defenseman was thinking in overtime? Dreisaitl <laughs> and McDavid were bearing down on him. I was talking to my wife about this, and we're both defensemen on a on a uh, we're defense partners actually, and we're so we're used to having getting beat all the time, <laughs> rushes and stuff. And I just was thinking, like he's probably thinking, oh well, I've got a ready-made excuse if I don't make the play on this one. It was McDavid and Drysaddle in overtime. No one's going to blame me too much. Yeah, well, I like that this time. Unlike the Winnipeg game where the, they they couldn't team up on a couple of two on ones in overtime, this time Drysaddle again had the puck, but he had it on the right side. Yeah, and that's a whole different equation. 
uh, and because uh, uh, Leon can pass off both sides of the stick, of course, but but particularly on the right side, he's he, you know he has a lot of options. And you watch that replay. You watch that poor defenseman. He goes sliding into the corner. <laughs> Leon beats him with the pass, and then of course there's nobody left to cover the return pass, and uh, uh, they executed it. It was in and out of the net so fast that uh, we weren't even sure. I thought it was a goal, and my wife thought, "How do you miss?" Because the way it came out. That's what I thought too. I had a panic moment. Yeah, but uh, he didn't miss. That defenseman almost split himself in two trying to stop that first pass and then he of course flopped it flopped on the ice and skidded off yeah yeah that would have been that must have been uh good old uh number nine there uh orloff dimitri orloff who's a really good player boy washington has got some good hockey players don't they Mm -hmm. they are stacked with with really good talent on that team but so are the oilers bruce you know now that now that they have ethan bear makes a huge difference having that that defenseman who can move the puck so well you know they haven't had him since Andre Sakura and here he is well Bear made about three plays tonight that were absolutely choice breakouts where he had no room and he made a little move to buy himself a bit of ice first and then he made this little 10-foot pass and often to the guy you didn't expect because he, he passes it into the middle but he makes the pass like he's he's uh, the one who's the best at, at uh Dave Tippett's parent and Jim Playfair's apparent uh, strategy to uh, use yes. the middle of the ice more. And Bear will, co- will often pull the puck in there with confidence. And I'm just loving his composure. Yeah. And, and his... Um, Is that a rattlesnake? That's a cat. Oh. <laughs> You'll see the door opening behind I thought here. it was a rattlesnake. I <laughs> anyway, Bear- he, he pulls... And he's just so calm. Like... Just a little thing, but like seven or eight seconds left in the third period in the tie game, and he's got the puck in his own end. Instead of forcing anything, he just turned back and killed the clock. I realized, you know, and and in a tie game, that's the right play, unfortunately, the way the league is structured. Uh, and also on the tying goal, more importantly, a very good play to keep the puck in and uh, along the right wing high on the right wing boards and get it behind the net. And he would have got the third assist on that goal because I see they gave one to Chieson as well as Neil. Uh, Neil clearly passed it to uh, McDavid, of course, but uh, Chieson, I wasn't sure if he got it. I don't thought he touched it, yeah. Yeah, They might might change it to Bear. And I think they might add one to Nurse on the overtime goal because he stopped that wraparound by... uh, He he did. I thought he did too, Bruce. I think think they'll give him a point. Yeah, yeah, he's playing the Bears, playing like uh, Lars Eric Schuberg out there, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, little little ice general, eh? Yeah, man, twenty five, twenty six minutes and forty eight seconds. That's just astonishing. And it's, six six block shots. It's not like he's only moving the puck. You know, Bruce, you know, it's a, he's doing it's things a, right. Yeah, it's a matter of time till he's on the power play on the first unit. I think. They're going to have a hard time resisting that because uh, he has that added element of being able to walk the line and get a shot. And he's a slightly better passer. I, mean, I don't mind Clefbaum. I'm not trying to criticize him because I think he's doing a fine fine job, a, a passable good job on the power play. What does he have for power play points, uh, Oscar Clefbaum? Four. Mm-hmm. So he's doing okay. But, um, you know, they're always looking to maximize what they've got. 
and that's one way you could do it. Right now, the power play is in a serious funk. Uh, they had two more basically failed power plays tonight. I think one one good chance out of two power plays. Oh, isn't that when Nuge had that brilliant? Yeah. Yes. Chance? And then otherwise, saying. otherwise they had, again trouble getting the puck over the blue line. They're just out of sync well, for now. You know what Washington did that I hadn't seen anyone do so well is they really attacked. You know the the, the first defenseman that goes up the ice and mm-hmm. then lays the puck. They were all over that guy. And that was a really smart thing to do because most teams don't do it. And that 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 strategy was, I thought that was really novel and very effective. So maybe we'll see that a lot more in the next little while. I think it was uh, Lars Eller who was doing that. Mm-hmm. Well, Bruce, you're going to Jasper tomorrow? Off to the Jasper Dark Sky Festival. Uh, annual event out there in uh, Jasper National Park and uh, we in the Astronomy Club always host uh, public observing sessions at uh, Lake Annette. So we'd be doing that on Friday and Saturday and uh, assuming forecast? Uh, not good. So uh, plan B is I'm among people giving a public presentation if there's nothing to show in the sky we have a tent where we can do stuff and uh, doing a interview for a documentary that they're making on dark skies so lots of lots of busy stuff for for me to do so that's why i'm i'm raising a, a milk to the boys tonight i'm going to take it easy you know people watching this this podcast might think i'm a lush because sometimes i have a beer going after the game but uh <laughs> you know what i i i'm i follow my my dad's example my dad liked his beer, and he had, I never saw him have more than one, one a day. <laughs> and I have my one, usually after the hockey game is over, and then I can decide if it's a happy beer or a mad beer. So, but it's the only beer, that, that, that I can tell you. <laughs> I'm kind of the opposite. I might have <laughs> beer twice a year, but I'll have, when I do have it, I'll have probably yep. 10. You'll pound, pound them back, will you? If okay. I actually don't eat drink anymore, yeah. <laughs> Period. All right, Bruce, have a great time this weekend, and thanks for talking tonight. Yeah, Sunday afternoon, the next game, folks, 2 p.m., so don't be fooled by that. Lots of afternoon games. There's a couple more coming up uh, in the next few weeks here. All righty. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.